Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. Who am I? And as we talked about last week, it's, it doesn't have to be a struggle for self-discovery because God has already stated in his word who we are. And, and that video just, just once again reinforced who God says we are, that we are a royal priesthood, that, that we are children of the king. This morning as we, we take a look at, at the first chapter of Ephesians, and it, we're only going to look at the first verse, and in one verse we have the first explanation of who it is we are. In Ephesians 1.1 it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. To the saints, we are saints. What, what do you think of when you think of a saint? When, when I think of a saint, sometimes I, I think of the Pope and the Catholic Church. When I, I think of what it means to be a saint, I think of stained glass windows and, and halos behind people's heads. When, when I think of a saint, I think of, of just kind of the slang term that we use these days of, of well, I'm not a saint, meaning, meaning I'm not perfect, right? I, I don't do everything right, but Apparently, we all are saints. Apparently, we, we are all considered saints when we choose to follow Jesus. So, so what does that mean? Just what is a saint according to what the Bible says? In, in the Greek, the, the word nagios means a holy one. And there's this, this designation of saint being given to anyone who's been born again, to any follower of Christ during the, the days of the apostles. In Romans 1, 7 and, and 1 Corinthians 1, 2, Paul talks about the believers as those who were called to be saints. And it means those that have, have committed themselves to Christ, those who have been called to be set apart, who have been called to be different. I've talked before about if, if you have made a decision to be a follower of Christ and you go out into the world uh, of unchurched people that, that knew you beforehand, and if they can't tell the difference and we've got some work to do. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself as well. If, if I go out into my workplace, if I go out into the, the places that people interact with me on a day-to-day basis and they can't tell that there is something different about me, if they can't see Jesus Christ shining through me, then I'm not being set apart. The idea of a biblical saint can sometimes be hard to understand, but, but if we look at this illustration, there was a mother and, and her young son, and they were going on, on a tour in a town, and, 
She took him into these, these various points of interest, and, and one of the places that she took him was inside this large cathedral. And inside this large cathedral, there were all of these stained glass windows, like we just talked about, all of these, these different windows that, that depicted people like Elijah and David, excuse me, and Abraham, and all of these other heroes of the faith that, that we know in the Bible that you've, I'm sure, seen if you've been in a church like that. And, and the boy was, was amazed to see these windows and the, the beautiful light as it, it came through and, and how it affected the image on the glass. And so when the boy and his mother arrived home, he ran into the, the living room and, to see his grandmother and, and she asked him about his day and said, Grandmother, you should have seen the, the beautiful windows that I, I saw at the church today. She said, what do, you, what do you mean by beautiful windows at church? Was, was there something special about them? And, and the boy said, oh, yes. These windows had saints, and on them, light shone through them. We're supposed to have light shine through us. As, as a saint, which you almost... It, it almost feels surreal to talk about being a saint just because we, we don't use that word very often. And it, it feels like we're setting ourselves up for too, way too high an expectation. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is we are called to be saints. And, and my prayer this morning is that as we move into this study, that, that we will come to understand what that is. And again, we will begin to understand the answers to this question of who am I? Who does God say I am? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you would speak to us through your word that is alive and relevant to us today. God, we love you and we want to see you shine through us. We want to see you uh, f shine through our lives for the world to see, God, that our lives would be a testimony of your greatness, of your healing, of your redemptive power. God, we come and we expect great things this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the, the first thing that, that we have to recognize is that a saint is a person who is saved. What do we know about our salvation? Our salvation is infinite. It can never go away. Hebrews 7, 24 through 25 says, but he, because he continues forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood and therefore he is also able to save to the utmost. I love that verse. He has an unchangeable priesthood and therefore he is able to save to the utmost. There is nothing that I can do that will separate myself from the love of Christ. He is able to save to the utmost. Those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. utmost, brings about these ideas of, of all the way to the end, 
all the way to completeness, to the utmost. And by reason of Jesus Christ's eternal ministry as priest, that's in the video we watched, that, that he is a royal priesthood. We are now part of that royal priesthood. By his ministry as the high priest, he is able to save those who, who come to him in his totality of being. Because of who he is, he is able to save. Not just a little bit. Can you imagine how terrible it would be if we got to a point where God said, well, I'm all out. I had you for the first 5,000 times that you messed up, but I'm all out now. That's not a God we serve. Our God is able to save to the utmost. Our salvation is incalculable. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with a corruptible thing like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. How do you calculate the value of human life? There are absolutely people that try. Governments try. Sometimes human life is held in such low regard that it's not worth much to certain people. But how does one calculate the value of the life of the Son of God? How much is the life of Jesus Christ worth? How do you calculate the value of the blood of the sinless Savior? One author puts it this way, that God, God put the cross between the believer and hell. And if you want to go to hell, you have to crawl over the cross to get there. How does one place a value on that sort of extreme love? The fact of the matter is, value is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for it. Value is determined by how much someone is willing to pay. If you look at modern art, <laughs> when, you, when you look at some of the modern art that's there, you see a canvas that is all one color, that is a shade of blue, that sells for $2 million. Not because it's worth that, based on the materials, the canvas and the paint didn't automatically bring it to $2 million, it's because the idea is because someone is willing to pay it. And because someone is willing to pay it, that is what it is worth. What is the value of a human life if Jesus Christ is willing to pay for it? God is willing to give the precious, 
sinless life. The blood of his only son to save fallen humankind from their sin. Our salvation is inconceivable. Anytime I use the word inconceivable, I always think of the princess bride for some reason. Second <laughs> Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. It's, it's inconceivable that someone would, would have everything, that they would have no need exist in their life, that they would never want for provision, that they would give all of that away so that I could have it instead. And yet that's what Jesus did. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a slave and and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. The human family, as we, we talked about in that, in that movie, the, the human family is separated from God. We were separated because of sin. Jesus, the Son of God, came to die in our place on Calvary to make us saints. A saint isn't just someone who is saved. A saint is someone who is secured. We are secured by God's seal. God puts a stamp and says, I am enough. The seal speaks of a finished transaction. It's a receipt a bill of purchase, I have paid the price. And as the enemy would come and say, well, have you seen this most recent thing that Matt did? Have you seen where he messed up today? Have you seen that thing that he did yet last week? God points back to that seal and says, he has been paid for. I have finished this transaction. The seal speaks of ownership. It's not just a transaction and now we're off to do our own thing. When God pays the price, he pays the price and he is now in charge. He owns us. The seal speaks of security and protection. I am sealed. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. There is nothing 
that can snatch me from the hand of the Father. The seal speaks of authenticity. When you see that, that seal on maybe a rare document, you see that wax seal that they put in an envelope to prove I, the thing that I put in here is the real thing. We're secured by God's strength. In John 10, 28 through 29, it says, And I give them eternal life, that they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Thank you, Jesus, that we are secure in you, not because of what we've done, but because you are, are stronger. So often we, we have this prayer, this thought that happens where, God, make me stronger. Allow me to, to do the thing that I need to do the, to be able to go out and, and function in the way that you've called me to function. But the reality is we don't need to be stronger. We need to recognize that in our weakness, God's strength is enough. God's strength is sufficient for my life, for my needs, for, for accomplishing anything that he has called me to. The saint is a person who is sent. We are sent out as, as sheep amongst wolves, the Bible says. In, in Luke 10, 3, it says, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. There was a, a time when, when I would read that scripture and I would think that the wolves were the, the people that weren't saved. But that's not, that's not the case. The, the wolves aren't the, the people in the world. The lost person is not our enemy. They are the, the victims of the enemy. They are the, the ones that we have been sent to. We're sent to serve in a great work. I heard a, a very interesting quote. And it was quoted from the, the words of Jesus and it was from the, the video series, The Chosen, that you guys hear me referencing every, <laughs> every week now just because there are so many things that, that I get from that, that that just make me think. And it, the, the quote that, that came from Jesus was, I don't need you to accomplish what I have come to accomplish. But I invite you to participate with me. And the fact of the matter is God doesn't need anything. <laughs> he, he doesn't need my best efforts. In fact, in most cases, he's probably going to get along a whole lot better with me not involved. <laughs> 
And yet he invites us to participate anyway. He invites us to serve in this great work. In Luke 10, 2, he says, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest. We're sent out to share our gospel witness. Luke 24, 46 through 48 says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the, for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. In John 20, 21, And so Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, so also I send you. Every child of God is responsible to spread the gospel of Christ. What is a witness? What what does it mean to be involved in evangelism? One author says that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, where to find that thing that rescues them, where to find that thing that that makes them whole, where to find that provision that never ends, where to find that living water so that they never need to find a, a, a drink again. We're called as saints to go. A saint is is saved. A, A saint is secured. A saint is sent. And so that means that we are saints. We have been saved. Yes? We have been secured. We have had that seal placed on us where God says, this is mine. You are mine, and because you are mine, I am sending you. I am inviting you to participate. In my mission for this earth, in my mission for Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California, I am sending you to participate in my mission in your city, in your nation. So we are saints. It's a part of our identity that we forget about. It's a part of our identity that, that we don't claim very frequently because we just don't use those words today. But the fact of the matter is we are saints. And we have the responsibility, the obligation, and the privilege to get more people to become saints. That should be an overwhelming desire within us is to say, this, this is what rescued me. This 
This is what, what saved me from the choices, from the, the pit of sin and death in the grave that, that I dug for myself. God, we thank you that you have called us saints. Lord, we thank you that you have saved and secured and sent us, God, that you have have signed, sealed, and delivered your salvation to your people. God, we thank you that we, we are secure in you. Lord God, as we move to this time of prayer, this time of ministry, as we move to this time of receiving from you, we come knowing who we are. We come secure in identity that we are a royal priesthood, that we are a chosen nation that has a a opportunity and a privilege of coming before the king, of bringing our requests before the king. we come and you provide for us. God, you, you lay a table in the presence of our enemies, God. You bring grace and mercy and redemption, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop.